stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com ajax to get started. Oh, hey, it's been a while. That's not true. We do a lot of these shows. But for the sake of the bit, it's been a while. 
I think we should catch up. This is Comics Catch Up. It's the show where we catch up on comics that we might have missed. Uh, be they good, be they bad, be they recent, be they from 30 years ago. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, my co-host, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm okay. I, I'm tempted to start these shows now with, how long has it been? For the two of us, about four days. <laughs> yeah, if even. <laughs> but it has felt like an eternity. That's right. Well, for this month's episode, it has been approximately four years since the release of the comic that we're reading for October, for Spooky Month. It's Vault Comics. These Savage Shores, written by Ram V, with art by Sumit Kumar, and colors by uh, Vittorio Astone. Letters by Aditya Bidikar. I just thought this would be a cool thing to read for October. Yeah, you, you sent it to me, and, and you were like, oh, this is a, a comic with Dracula's in it, even for Spooky Month. It's got vampires. It's got a kind of monster that Western audiences may not be as familiar with. But if they play D&D, they are. Yes, it is a D&D monster. <laughs> it is a D&D monster, but like, it's not a tiger with backwards hands, which is what it is in, in D&D. So. No, this, this comic represents it as, as more uh, traditional and, and as a part of a religious heritage. Yeah. But but it's also got, I think notably, for us in 2022, the year that we watched RRR, mm-hmm. colonialism. The real monster? That's England. One. <laughs> yes. British colonialism specifically in India. And I'm like, this hits all the notes for us this year in spooky season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like we it's, do it. this has become a theme of media that we have taken in this year. You know what? I appreciate that media. I mean, this media again is from 2018, so it's not from this year. But I appreciate the increasing movement in media toward British colonizers being unequivocal bad guys. Yeah. It's uh, like, did you feel like there was any metaphor to the vampire self? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe did you feel like there was any metaphor to that? To the, like, which, which I will say I do like because a thing that I don't like acknowledging about Dracula, which is a, a book that I quite like. And I'm very excited that people, uh, I, I'm assuming everybody's still on uh, uh, Dracula Daily. As they're going through it, they're getting towards the the end now, which means we're on the verge of everyone finding out how Dracula ends, and I'm so excited. It but involves a cowboy. Yeah, yeah. You thought you were excited when you found out there was a cowboy in it, buddy. <laughs> Just give it time. How is how has Quincy Morris only shown up in like one Castlevania? I don't know. That is the character from Dracula that like. Got the shortest shrift. Yeah. He's, uh, like, the reason people didn't know is he's usually cut out of adaptations. And, to be fair, 
Seward and Homewood are like Homewood always cut out because useless. But Seward and Morris and Harker are usually combined into just Jonathan Harker. But right, but yeah, man, that's fucking cowboy. In in that, y'all need to go watch Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula to find out about that. But anyway, a thing that I that I don't like to acknowledge because I do like the pop cultural Dracula so much, and I, I like. The, the novel is that it is a story of an evil foreigner coming to take our women. Yeah. Like it, like there's really not a lot of getting around that. If you really think about it, the good news is that the evil foreigner is also racist. So that's um, true. In these savage shores, the vampires are British. Mm-hmm. Basically every British person in this comic is a vampire. <laughs> I think a hundred percent of the ones who are like actual ca- there's like a boat captain and then that's it. Yeah. The boat captain, I don't guess is a vampire, but yeah. And he's like, Hey, fuck vampires. But you know, he works for the East India company. So <laughs> yeah. So look, this is a pretty straightforward monster comic. It is, but I do think it's like, for being as straightforward as it is in retrospect, in the process of reading it, I was like, I thought like three different stories were going to be the story before it turned into what it was. Yeah, the biggest twist happens in the first issue, because the guy that you think is going to be the villain of the whole thing, the villain of the piece, dies at the end of the first issue. Uh, yeah, he gets fucking got. He gets his head ripped off. Yeah. And, and I didn't notice the first time that I read it, I was like, oh, is he going to come back? And then like, I was looking at that last page uh, before I went to the second issue. I was like, oh, no, that dude's holding his head. Yeah, yeah. So okay. that guy's name is Elaine Pierrefont. And he has essentially been exiled from London b- because he is a vampire. Yeah, because there is a a Solomon Cain ass vampire hunter guy who very uh, Solomon Cain ass extremely, <laughs> uh, which you know I'm down. Uh, I, I like a good I like a good SK every now and then. Sure, Puritan Conan. He goes after him and winds up like it's very funny because the opening action sequence is this uh, vampire hunter. Like shows up and like douses him, and the guy's like, "Oh, well, this, is, this is holy water." And he's like, "No, it's oil." And <laughs> sets him on fire. Yeah, it's great. It's pretty good. So yeah, Alan Elaine Pierrefont is on the run from this vampire hunter, but also it's been revealed to the public that he is a vampire because he went crashing out of a window while on fire. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Holy <laughs> badass." That guy looks like that guy seems like he might be a vampire. Yeah, he's definitely on fire. It's like the head vampire, Count Grano, who decides, okay, we got to get, we got to send this guy away. I wish his name had been like Count British Monarchy. <laughs> yeah. So Count Grano sends Pierrefont to India, and also, I well, I, okay, I guess these British people aren't vampires in the literal sense. They are vampires in the more figurative sense. 
they are vampires in the way that capitalism has made vampires of us all. Yeah. There's a group of English trades tradesmen who are trying to set up a trade route in India, starting in Calicut, which is where mo- most of this story takes place. And they're basically trying to, one, jilt the prince of Calicut and the sort of like, I guess he's the king, right? Of the region. There's the the young prince. Who is a child. Who's in charge in Calicut, and then the other guy is in Hyderabad. Right, and he's uh, the king of the whole region. Yeah, but they seem to be like, they seem to be like, on pretty even terms in terms of power. Like when they have their meeting, like it is specified that they need to have it on like neutral ground. Yeah, I think the king has more authority than the prince does. But within Calicut, the prince has total authority there. Mm-hmm. But th- but the king is the one that they really want to convince that they're going to have th- that they want to have this trade route, and. They're trying to convince the king and the prince to accept a raw deal, first of all. And second, they're trying to play both sides against the middle, where the prince and the king are going to like try to outbid each other or compete with each other for this trade route. It's classic colonial English garbage bullshit. Mm-hmm. So when Pierrefont gets there, he's staying with the prince and trying to do some convincing of the prince to make this trade route happen because he gets involved with these dealings pretty quickly, but then he gets his head ripped off by the monster slash man slash kind of demon. He's a Rakshas. Bishan. Yeah. Who is the the prince's bodyguard? Yes. He is he is the protector of the prince. Yeah. He is also in love with a human woman who is like a dancer and performer in Calicut. And there's this running thing that goes throughout the book where she asks him repeatedly. Her name is Corey, by the way. He asks her, or she asks him repeatedly, Bishan, how were you made? And he tells her a different story every time. Like he'll talk about, like how the how the old gods made him, and how he devoured. He and his brothers devoured the old gods. That's his first answer. Mm-hmm. And. You know, we were we were savage things that couldn't be civilized. Uh, but then he gives other answers at other times, and I really like that runner. I mean, it's very similar to the Joker. Want to know how I got these scars? I would suspect that these are like the different, like folkloric origin stories for the Rakshas. Yeah, I think the difference between this and the Want to know how I got these scars thing is that the the stories the Joker tells are all very obvious bullshit. Whereas any and all of these are believable myths for the creation of the Rakshas. 
Yeah. So yeah, he rips that dude's fucking head off. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. So by the start of the second issue, the the nobility in England have found out that Alan Pierfont is dead. The prince also finds out and knows that this is going to be something that the English tradesmen are going to use to try to force their trade route into existence. <laughs> and also the fucking vampire hunter has shown up in India. Because he's tracking the vampire. What's it? Alan Pierfont. Pierfont. He's tracking him down. And he's like, yeah, I keep hearing he's dead. But that's weird. So I gotta I gotta figure this out. Yeah, like so who, who would kill a how could someone kill a vampire? Yeah. Like, this is a trick. I'm being tricked into thinking that this guy's dead. And so I gotta find him. Yeah. Which is a recurring bit that I really like of people from England thinking that that their monsters are the only monsters, you know, like, which, I mean, obviously like, you know, we, we all, if you are not part of a culture, you don't know about that culture's supernatural stuff. But if you know, vampires exist, (laughs) like nobody stops to think like, all right, so that means there's probably some other shit we don't know, which I really like because it's both like the, the vampire hunter is like a, 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 generally pretty positive character like uh another element of the story is that we get a lot of it in what i'm guessing is a dracula reference like a lot of it is epistolary not the entire story but the frames for all the issues and like narration uh for anytime there's narration and not dialogue it's letters that people are writing which i think is really clever and like a really good way to like tie this to to, you know, the larger world of vampire fiction. I think that's, like, a really nice bit, and I I, I appreciate that, uh, Ramvi. The second, uh, tell me, Bishan, how are you made? Bishan's answer to that one is, there was a big dragon in the sky that wanted to destroy the universe, so everybody fought, but some of them flew, and fought him, and some of them stayed on Earth to fight him. And the ones that flew got called angels, and the ones that stayed on Earth got called demons. And so that's why I'm, that's why people call me a demon. Uh, which is pretty dope. Like, I like that one. Pretty good. Pretty solid. There's a hunt for a, uh, like a leopard where Bishan has to reveal himself, like for the first time he reveals himself. Yeah, because the vampire hunter winds up thinking that the young prince, he's like, okay, hang on, this kid is in charge of everything, and he like hasn't been assassinated? Alright, obviously he is a vampire. And so he goes to kill him, and to save him, uh, Bishan like fucking hulks out into his... Uh, rad as shit demon form yeah so his demon form is not like you said it's not the D backward pod what are they in D? <laughs> they're uh rakshasas they're like tiger people with backwards hands 
Okay. In Hindu tradition, Rakshasas are actual demigods. Like, they're they're not even monsters like in this story, per se. They're, you know, even more kind of complex figures than even the monster, or, you know, Bishan, as he appears in this. But the way he looks in this is very cool. He's got these big red curling horns red eyes like a sh- a shock of long purple hair and like just really long limbs yeah he's huge a very cool visual yeah he's like 12 feet tall but he's like all angular and and he's thin and angular which is like a really cool it's a really cool look like it, it, excellent work i mean i mean if you haven't picked up on it yet Matt, I, I don't know about you, I suspect, but I really enjoyed this. Uh, I did too. And uh, Sumit Kumar, who does the the art on this, like the character designs are exceptional. Yeah, I think the art in here is ex- exceptionally good. Like, yeah. I I don't I didn't hear much about this book when it was coming out. You know, I guess it's by virtue of the fact that it's. It's a vault book, so it maybe doesn't get the attention that more mainstream books, even from like non Marvel and DC publishers, like, you know, it's not an image comic, it's not Dark Horse. Vault is is still a pretty small publisher. But yeah, like the quality in here is as good as anything from any of those major publishers as far as like art artwork and writing too. I mean, the writing is also exceptionally good, but the art actually shocked me with how good it was. Yeah. Like for someone who I am very unfamiliar with, I mean like the, the arts, it's like young Neil Adams. Like it, it's like young Neil Adams or like middle-aged Steve thing. <laughs> You know, like Steve Epting on Captain America or Neil Adams on, like, you know, Detective Comics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I see it. Um, and some of this art gets, like, very, you know, very detailed. There are battle scenes in here that are pretty involved with lots and lots of characters. Like, after the prince goes to visit the king... And says, look, it seems like you kind of want this torque trade route, and I absolutely don't. we got to get on the same page with this. And the king basically says, this is not, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. Like It's going to be too hard to stop this. We have to just let it happen. And it's only when Bishan says, look... I will go fight and I will go protect your army. That the king finally says, okay, I guess we're at war with the East India Company now. Bishan, during the this essential, essentially a war that starts, lets a bunch of soldiers, I don't know, lets a bunch of soldiers die maybe too far. But he doesn't turn into a monster quickly enough to save everybody. And so that becomes... Uh, like a really big deal to the point yeah. where Corey won't like 
because he went off to war and left for so long, uh, Corey kind of stops talking to him. Yeah. That part's really cool. Yeah. Actually, like that's a really good, like it's, it's the, the whole idea of like, I tried to be a human because how could I ask these guys to fight with me as a monster? But me being a human and not a monster got them all killed. That's a pretty extremely dope little bit there. In the midst of all of that, of all the battle stuff, Bishan writes a letter to Corey where he essentially says, Hey, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I left. Here are the reasons I had to do it. And, uh, he recalls the first time she asked him, tell me, Bishan, how were you made? And I also like that answer uh, in which he says there was like a big cosmic ocean where everything lived together and it was meant to be shared. But the devas took it all for themselves, leaving the rest of us, the asuras, resentful and internally hungry, turning us into rakshas. Another very good origin story for them. Yeah. The other thing that I, I really quite like about this is like, these are also like analogous to like vampire origin stories. True. Right. Like, uh, that, that where did vampires come from is, is something that every vampire story has like a different take on. And like that one in particular, because it talks about like eternal hunger is like, it's very good. It's very, very good. In the midst of the war, uh, the count shows up. In in Calicut, because he's going to find out what happened to uh, Elaine Pierrefont. And uh, Bichon wrecks an entire regiment of East India Company soldiers. That part is mad violent and also real good. There's a, there's a splash page of Bichon just holding up a British soldier like... He's kind of in silhouette, and but not quite. It's like Frank Millery a little bit, where he's like impaling this British soldier with his claws. It's uh, pretty, pretty good. It's pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you like the uh, the artwork of young Neil Adams or Steve Efting or Frank Miller, then perhaps you will enjoy the art in this book. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like if if Jack Kirby, uh, and and uh, Michelangelo Buonarotti like got together and did a book. Like, how, what's the highest possible praise we can give to this art that we haven't given it yet? Uh, yeah, it's like if Mubius, uh, it's like if, if Mubius and Osama Tezuka did a book together. It'd be, it'd be this. It'd be great. So the letter that starts issue four is the prince writing to Bishan, basically begging him to come back. Because the vampires have arrived. And the vampire hunter is, like, all emaciated in the jail. Saying, hey, I, vampires are coming coming after you. Yeah. He's like, hey, I've, I've been here long enough to kind of realize that y'all aren't my shit that I'm dealing with. <laughs> so... I can teach you how to fight vampires, which then you think like, that's going to kind of be it. And that's 
It is and it's not, you know? Yeah, Bishan starts to make his way back. Like, he he abandons the battlefield. And there's a showdown outside the prince's palace between Count Grano and his, like, army of vampires, which he has. Or he makes a bunch of zombies out of, like, people in the city and shows up at the castle with his other vampires and the zombies. And the vampire hunter and the prince and his army uh, come out. And the vampire hunter gets fucked up by Count Grano. Yeah, because he kills the the first guy. And then the other one's like, yeah, uh, you know if you get if you get older, like stuff like the silver doesn't work on you anymore. Cause the, the blood is cannibalizing itself, which is like a really cool, like vampire thing. He's like, how old do you think I am? And then, uh, he fucks that dude up and then crucifies him on the lawn twice. Yes. <laughs> he like jams arrows into his hands and feet. So it's literally like a crucifixion. Yeah. He nails him to the ground. And then like at the end of the issue, you see that he has like, strung him up like a scarecrow but you know i mean you've you've seen a scarecrow before it's up on a cross everything goes to hell before bishan gets back the vampire hunter gets killed bishan goes and faces down the king and basically tells the king hey you fucked us over yeah he's gonna kill the king and then the king's own young son comes in and tries to fight him and so he just leaves yeah that shit's good he tells the king's son, notably, be better than him, which is choice. But it's it's basically revealed that the king always knew. I, it's not that he necessarily wanted the East India trade route, but I think he saw it as an inevitability. Yeah. And he was only going to fight for it kind of nominally. Uh, and so that's why Bishan essentially tells him, hey, you you betrayed us. By the time Bishan gets back to Calicut, he finds the vampire hunter all strung up, crucified like a scarecrow. And more importantly, he gets back to Corey, who is a vampire now. Which is a pretty fantastic reveal. Yeah. So that's like the big twist. Because there's been all this stuff up to this point about how she's mortal. And it's not really stated, but you kind of think about like how their relationship is going to work if Bishan is immortal and she's mortal. Yeah. And then the whole dynamic of their relationship changes. The last issue is pretty straightforward. Bishan and Corey go to London and they fuck up Count Grano real bad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, and it's like a good, it's like a good fight issue, because you yeah. know they they go to to London, and you know we get some of the like, oh, here's what's happening with the uh, the East India Company, and that's probably going to be bad until the fire and the water show up. Uh, yeah, uh, the prince, the young prince, is crowned king, but it's like you know a pyrrhic victory. We get a letter to them from uh, Grano, which is very funny. Because uh, he's being such a shit about it. He's like, my dear friends, welcome to England. <laughs> yeah. 
And if you were wondering, like, hey, when they go to England, do they refer to England as these savage shores? Yes. They do. They do. I know writers who use subtlety, and they're cowards. <laughs> There's a scene where they go to Grano's mansion, to his house. And there's this attempt at civility, right? There's this attempt at trying to actually like have a civilized discussion at the dinner table where Greno is, you know, well, there's this whole thing where he's like, oh, I'm drinking wine, but we can switch it out if you want to, Corey. Yeah. You know, so- blood. He's he's not one of these vampires that can't eat and drink f- uh, food and regular drink. Uh, at one point, uh, Grano asks, what do you think of Western civilization? And Bishan goes, uh, I think it would be a noble idea. Which is a, like, it is a quote from Gandhi. Yeah. And it's, like, really good. It's in, really like, good. In, in the context, and it's, like, a cool, like you know, reference. Gandhi does not say that and then like immediately go fuck somebody up real bad though. So it did, that one did ring a little weird. It's a good line though. It's a really good line. I don't know. Did Gandhi do that before, uh, before he had like a, like a a bare knuckle brawl on the, uh, on the lawn. Here's one thing that I think is really interesting about the story of this. There's no big moment of revelation that, that Bishan killed Pierrefont. You just kind of like it's presented as a slight mystery at the end of the first issue, and then it just becomes clearer and clearer that yeah. Bishan did it. Because the reason Pierrefont gets killed at the end of the first issue is he finds uh, Corey bathing in like a lake. And he's like rolling up about to bite her with his vampire fangs. And so it's not shown on panel, but you know, Bichon kills Pierrefont to defend Corey. Yeah, we just see like a blur, and then that yeah. motherfucker is gone. And uh, there's like a hint of a mystery. It's more of a mystery for the characters who killed Pierrefont than the reader. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's pretty obvious that Bishan did it from the get-go. But then in this issue, it's just stated outright. Count Grano says, So uh you killed him, right? Bishan, you ripped his head from his spine. That that beautiful man. And uh and Bishan's like, Yeah, I'm a monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I turned into like a twelve foot guy with fucking claws and ram's horns. Yeah, I, I I fucked up your boy, and that's when civility goes out the window. Like, yeah. Corey calls him a disease, and the count's just like, okay, I guess we're gonna go beat the shit out of each other in uh, in 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 the the yard. Yeah, outside Castlevania here, and I I love how Granite was like, oh man, like I'm a super old, super powerful vampire, so like, like I have not had anyone who can fucking touch me in forever so he's like very excited about the fight he's about to have once they get going like Bishan transforms there is a splash page of 
Bichon jumping up to attack Count Grano. Like, Count Grano's standing on the ground. Bichon is jumping into the air in front of the moon. Boy. Boy. That's the good shit. Put that on the side of an arcade cabinet. No kidding. I would I would drop so many quarters into that machine. That This is going to seem like faint praise, but I absolutely mean it. If they made that splash page into a poster, I would buy it. I would probably buy like a print of it. Yeah. It's it's, it's dope. Yeah. I always like it when you get a splash page and the artist signs it. Like it like very obviously signs it. Yeah. Uh because I'm like, yeah, you know that one's a money page. You know that one's uh that one, that one's going straight to the dealer. Sumit Kumar was right on that yeah. one. It's, it's it's really good. Yeah, whatever. Uh, if if he sold this page, whatever he got for it was a fucking bargain. Yeah, it's like painted. Yeah, it's good. I mean, maybe it's not, but it looks like it could be. Yeah, it's man, it's exceptional it you know i i hesitate to do this i've hesitated to do this throughout this book has a real bloodborne kind of visual style that i'm a big big fan of yeah that's that's weird because i did get past like the first three pages (laughs) of this comic which did not happen to me with the video game bloodborne Uh, that's fair so they fight for a while. Of course, Count Grano trans- transforms into his true form. Yeah, he becomes a Castlevania Dracula. Yeah, he's like a big monster with big ears, and he turns blue, and he's got big wings. He got big wings and abs. And so he fucks up uh, Bishan a little bit in the fight. He rips off one of his horns, notably. And so Bishan, Bishan gets a crimson mask. <laughs> He's got blood running down his face mm-hmm. <laughs> and all over his body. And Corey says, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you a little extra charge. At which point she bites her own wrist and says, drink my vampire blood, which Bishan does, which then enables Bishan to become like, 20 Bichons. Yeah. That, he, he's got a secret power. It's good. It's very good. And uh, yeah, the 20 Bichons just like dogpile Count Grano. And he is there, and then he's not there. Yeah, he's just gone. Uh, and then Corey throws down her lantern and burns the whole place to the fucking ground. Uh, and then they go back. They they go back to uh, Vikrampura, which is where the prince lives now. And Corey's still a vampire. And Bishan talks to the, the prince, now king. And he says, I, he, basically he tells the king, the now king, this place will heal, but it's going to take a while. And uh, and that's where we end. And it's, There's going to be these two guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're gonna be the fire in the water. And uh they're gonna they're gonna save this place. Oh,
Chris, I think it's time to rank these Savage Shores. A really pleasant surprise. It's not not like I expected the book to be bad. Yeah, but, like I, I think we both in, really enjoyed uh, what we've read of of Rumby stuff. Like particularly, like, you kick off your run on Detective Comics by having Barbatos show up. You, you got you got these two in your corner for sure. Yeah, that Rom V run on Detective Comics has been really good so far. And this book, this miniseries, makes me all the more excited for it. Because he's kind of going for the same... Not exactly the same mood, the same tone in the Detective Comics book, but it's similarly (laughs) kind of like... spooky in tone. Lissa Kumar. Uh, also, John Romita Jr. vibes. At times. On, yeah. on a lot of these, yeah. Real, like, really stellar art. Uh, but yeah, like, reading this, I was thinking about, like, you know, oh, like, I, I always wonder, you know, what do people read, like, you know, to be like, oh, I should hire this guy to do this, or this person to do this, you know? And I feel like if I had read this, I would be like, oh, yeah, the, the, Dude could probably do Batman. This whole team could probably do Batman. Honestly. Yeah, I would be hiring uh, Samik Mar to do my Ghostwriter book in a heartbeat. Yeah, if if Samik Kumar is not on a like a major like big two book, because if 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 Samir Kumar is not offered a major big, big two book, I guess I should say, because there's plenty of reasons to to not do it. Uh, maybe you're you're off doing your own thing or whatever. But if nobody reaches out and says, "Hey, uh, go ahead and do this one," then then that's a shame. Uh, and honestly, same with the uh, Vittorio Estone's colors uh, and Aditya Bidikar's letters. Like everything's good. The design. Like whoever did the like trade dress and design for this book, it's like it is a an incredible looking package and an incredible looking hardcover too. Like everything about this book is like next level quality. Yeah, I, I I'll be the first to admit I haven't read a ton of Vault books. This makes me want to go find more and read more. Because if they're putting out stuff this good. I I would absolutely want to read more of it. Yeah, this is like this is the best advertisement for everyone involved in this. I, and you're right. Like I absolutely want to be like, well, dang, what else have I missed from Vol? Yeah, I I was impressed by this book in virtually every way. Like like I said, it's a pretty straightforward monster story. It's clearly riffing on Dracula. It's doing sort of a turning Dracula on its head sort of story. Like, instead of the monster like, instead of the vampire coming to England, the vampire comes from England, and then the, the people from the place that the English went to go back and fuck up the vampire. You know, I forgot to look it up, but the ship that takes, uh, the guy to, uh, Calicut at the, at the start is called like the Ivora. And uh-huh. I was like, I was like, 
oh, I got to finish reading this because I know we're going to record tonight, but I need to remember to look up whether that is a uh, a fertility goddess. Because um, the Demeter is the ship that takes uh, Dracula to England. To my knowledge, there's not a goddess named Ivora, but... Dang, I, I would have I lost that vet. Uh, but it's it's I bet it's a reference to something. It's got to be. I just need to figure out what it is. Uh, yeah, because I, you're right. Like so much of this book is like little and big riffs on Dracula, but it's it's such a good twist on it. You know, it's not just being clever for the sake of being clever. It's it's doing its own thing while riffing on Dracula in a very very creative and smart way. Yeah. And that's you know that's all I could ask for from a book like this. Yeah. It it and it feels like new. Like as much as it's definitely like doing a like a Dracula riff in parts, like it feels like it's it's a new thing to me at least. So, yeah. And I'm I'm all in on stories where English colonizers are the bad guys. <laughs> it's just I those those are the stories I'm super into right now uh the most. So Chris, let's let's rank this. Do you think it's better than Blood is the Harvest? Yeah. <laughs> last year that was last year's Halloween suggestion, I think. Selection. I think it was. It, it may have been 2020 because my conception of time. No, last year we did uh, Midnight Suns. Oh, that's right. It's better than that. I, I, I think Blood is the Harvest was 2020. But it's better than both of those, uh, undoubtedly, yeah. without question. Uh, the uh, Hindu uh, goddess of fertility, by the way, is Parvati. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking up the name Avora, uh, and I don't, I can't find anything uh, of significance. So maybe, maybe it is not a a studied riff like I was suggesting. But I would have, I would have lost money on that bet. Yeah, where, where do you, where do you want to put? I mean, it's really good. So I'll tell you what I'm drawn to immediately. What comparable book on the list my eye is drawn to, like. Almost instantly. And it's the book we have currently at number 298, The Valiant. Another mini-series with really excellent art that tells a pretty straightforward story about monsters, but in a really cool way. That's presented in a really cool way. Mm -hmm. I think this is better than it. Uh, I mean... You're probably not wrong. But at the same time, it's like, that Palo Rivera art's real good, though. It is really good. But look, that's how a, much... That's an underrated story, but like, yeah. How much more good stuff can we say about Sumit Kumar's art in here? Like, is it better or worse than the Palo Rivera art? They're both pretty good! <laughs> like... Both have pages that I looked at for a good long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. 
it's probably it's probably better than that. Yeah, I don't think it's too far away from it, though. Yeah, Jughead number two hundred is a very good comic. It is a very good comic. Yes, this is this is maybe better than that. But Jughead number two hundred, which uh, I don't have a date for, which means we talked about it at least four years ago. That's a good comic. It's not as good as JLA New World Order. It's a two seventy nine. Okay. Talking about art and art being very good. I'm getting hung up on Amazing Spider-Man 578, 579, Spidey in the Subway, which has that Marcos Martin art. Mm-hmm. That's some good art. Yes. And I do love that story. So... Do you, do we think it's better than Wonder Woman the Hikatea? Yeah. Mm, it's that's as the, good as. That's the Greg Rucka Wonder Woman. Yeah, Greg Rucka and uh uh JG Jones, I yeah. believe. So I mean and that's a it's a good book. Also very good art. Yeah. I mm, this is recency bias, but I do feel like it's better. Okay. So I will propose putting it between Spidey in the Subway and the Hikatea at the new number 293. I would not mind putting it above Spidey in the Subway. All right, make a case. I mean, that Spidey in the Subway story is good and has some beautiful Marcus Mart- Martin Martin art. Uh, but also, like, that story I don't feel like did anything new in the way that, like I said, this feels new. Yeah, in some ways, Spidey in the Subway is a retelling of Spidey doing the thing. Yeah, and it's and it's you know you don't have to do anything new to tell a, a, a good story. Like you can just it's s- simple ingredients cooked well. Yeah, cooked well, as yeah. you know, because you you love that dude's restaurant. I know you do. Uh, the one I went to in London was was good. Yeah, did it have? Did you get like a burger? Did you get the simple ingredients done well. I got a steak. And that's pretty. I, I ordered a steak and mash, and. The I swear the the uh, the hostess who actually brought out our food when she brought out the food was like nothing better than just some steak and mash, eh? And it's like, yeah, like, yes, it's simple ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> nothing better. And then, uh, look, okay, I mash. I would put it above. Mash I would put it above Spidey in the Subway. Is it better than these Thor comics? I don't think it's better than Why I Hate Saturn. Why I Hate Saturn is a genuinely incredible piece of art. Okay, so you're saying 292. 292, yeah. 292 is where we will put these Savage Shores. Excellent, excellent. Like, y'all should read this one. Because again, like, you've, you've heard all the twists and turns of the plot, but like, it's told really well. Yeah, it's... It's worth it just to look at the art that we keep saying is so good because it is. Absolutely read this book. It doesn't matter that you know what happens. Yeah. And this uh, is from 2018? 2018 into 2019. Okay. Good book. Definitely. And great spooky reading, too. Yeah. Real good October. Reading that also 
discusses some real world issues. Yeah. Uh thanks. Oh, the covers. The cover on number five. Damn. Yeah, the covers are all like these gorgeous wraparound covers, too. Uh, and, that, the, and those are what really give me the the John Romita Jr. vibes. It's it almost looks like some real badass manga. Uh, with all the blood and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Who do you it's, think you'll win in a fight between uh, Bishan and Goku? <laughs> you know what? It would be a hard battle. I think Goku probably has the edge. But but when Bishan revealed that he could make 20 of himself, Goku would be like, what do I do now? He's making 20 of himself. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to suggest something for us to catch up on, you can do it by emailing us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, send us questions or suggestions on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter at warrocketpod. You can join our Discord, which is by invitation, so please request an invitation on one of those places I just said. And we'll get you one for the Discord. You can support this show, as well as our weekly War Rocket Ajax podcasts, our monthly Every Story Ever specials, and Movie Fighters and Snack Situation by going to patreon.com slash Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at mattdwilson.net. That's where you can find links to uh, my various projects. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find all my stuff by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to everything that I do. See you next month, everybody. Maybe we'll catch up on a book about food. Or no will we? Thriller eyes. Thriller eyes. Good catching up. <laughs> <laughs>